Our scripture passage today is from Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. I've laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country. And the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Brothers and sisters, what a joy it is to gather together as this church. As I was contemplating the next sermon series for CCPC, I was wondering, what is it that we need to hear from the Lord? What word from God's word would encourage the people of God to love him, to serve him, to worship him? And for some reason, as I was reading the prophet Malachi, it hit me. The Lord wants us to renew our love for him. But in order for us to renew our love for him, sometimes we need to hear hard things. To hear hard things because it's good for us. And in fact, these hard things are so difficult that most people would never want to be an Old Testament prophet. For almost all the Old Testament prophets, their duty was simply to proclaim judgment on God's people of how they strayed away from the Lord, followed after idols, how they intermarried with others and have forgotten the meaning of marriage, of how they've forgotten the poor. And prophets were not wealthy people. They were people on the fringes, ostracized. And yet they knew that they carried the word of the Lord. Here in Malachi chapter 1, when it says, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. That word oracle is very interesting. In Hebrew, that word actually translates into burden. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Now, that word burden might seem, well, burdensome. But there's a reason why that word oracle or burden is important. Because the word of God has weight. The word of God is powerful. 
the word of God is not something to be taken lightly. For when the Lord speaks, the Lord acts. And we listen carefully to what the Lord says. A second aspect of that word burden or oracle is for us as God's people. Is that when we hear the word of God, we know that the word of God itself with the Holy Spirit brings conviction to God's people. And we know that this weight that we carry by hearing God's word forces us to make a decision. Do we follow God or do we not? Do we take him at his word? Or do we just put it aside and pick up something else to read? And so Malachi, and for all of us who read God's word, preach God's word, teach God's word to ourselves, to others, to our children, we come with humility, solemnity, in knowing that God's word will complete its function, bringing conviction of sin to many, so that redemption and salvation may be wrought. But to others who hear, it indeed will be a stepping stone or, or a stumbling stone, stumbling block. Now Malachi was writing at the end of the Old Testament history. In fact, Malachi is the last book in the Hebrew Bible. He was a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah. Remember, the Israelites were, were sent out into exile, and they lived in exile. But by God's grace and God's mercy, they allowed them to return to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem from their exile. They came back to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the city. The people returned. We see in the book of Chronicles, if you've ever read the book of Chronicles, a list of all the names of the people who returned to Jerusalem. Just so that the people of Israel may be encouraged and say, look at God's faithfulness. We've come back to reestablish what God has promised, a nation to serve him. And God charged them, build the temple. Rebuild the temple that you may worship me. Rebuild the temple that my presence may come. Rebuild the temple that the world may see that I am the God of Israel and the God of all creation. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, they labored with the people who came back, build it stone by stone, desiring to see the former glory of the first temple. And as they built with excitement, they waited for the Lord to return to his rightful place. They were encouraged that they would be a nation. Once again, a nation that would worship God. But something happened. Something happened. Did the people really change 
was this going to be a different story? Would the people of Israel who just came back out of an exile, would they be faithful to the Lord? And the answer to that was a resounding no. A discouragement to, to many people. There are people of old who saw the first temple, and when they saw the second temple, they weeped because it did not look like the first temple. It lacked its glory. And the people became lazy. The people themselves became complacent. When they returned to their land and they believed they had everything that they had before, and they started to do what their ancestors did. They forgot the love of God. They despised their marriages and divorced without cause. They intermarried simply satisfying their lusts. They withheld their tithes to the Lord and the temple was in disarray. They oppressed the poor. And it wasn't only the people, but the priests were the same. The priests did not demand much from the people in terms of fidelity to the Lord. But they themselves became complacent. They forgot to worship God himself. And this is where Malachi comes in. We see many connections to the church today. We as a church in America, have we ourselves not become complacent? Forgetting God's love. Easily divorcing in the church of its, itself. Intermarrying or, or basically having a sexual ethic according to our desires. Withholding our, our tithes, tithes and our offerings. Oppressing the poor. Complacent. This is where God sends Malachi to not only the Israelites, but to us, so that we may repent and he may restore. Now, there's a series of like six disputations between Malachi and the people of Israel, and we're going to go through one of them each week, and then we'll go through the conclusion and the post-conclusion the following weeks as well. But in this first disputation, it's amazing. Malachi starts with not accusations of what they've done wrong, but he starts at the core or at the heart. The question that he asks, I've loved you. And they ask, how have you loved us? The core of the question is about God's love. 
that God has loved his people. And this love for his people should engender in us the ability to live a life of love and live an ethic that reflects God's perfection and holiness. Now you may ask, well, how can I, how is Malachi going to argue this? Okay, God loves you. God loves you. Right, I hear that. How has he loved us? Prove to me that God loves us. And Malachi goes on to talk about Esau and Jacob. And believe me, as a pastor in the modern day, this is not where I would go (laughs) in the way that I would counsel someone. But then I had to check my heart, and maybe we had to check our hearts as well. Because what Malachi talks about is the electing love of God. The perfect love of God that chooses you before you were born, before the foundations of the earth. God knew you, chose you, and loved you before you even could recognize who God was. This is a story of Jacob and Esau. Remember when Jacob and Esau were in Rebekah's womb. God appeared to her and said, the younger Jacob will be greater than the older brother Esau. Esau would eventually become the nation of Edom that we have here. Jacob would become the nation of Israel. Israel would be greater than Edom. And God is reflecting on that and and sharing with the people of Israel. Don't you remember from the very beginning, while you were in the womb, I chose you. Before you could say anything, before you could sin, before you can say I love you, before you could serve me, before you could bring sacrifices, before you could do anything, I loved you. I chose you. I elected you. This is where Malachi starts. That the origin of our relationship with God It's not in our present actions, but it's hidden in God from all of eternity. And that his love for you will never end, will never change. That's his response. That's his retort. But he goes on. He goes on because he wants you to know that the will of a person or even the will of a nation cannot go against what God has ordained. He says, even if Edom itself says that I will rebuild my city, even if Edom, the the descendants of Esau say, "We, we we will rebuild what we have, God says, I will destroy them. No person can come to me unless I choose them. No person can thwart the will of God, my will.
I have chosen you, and you belong to me. It is that knowledge that enables us to love God freely. It is that knowledge that enables us to come to the Lord freely, knowing that he will never rebuff us, but always welcome us. Parents, you who are, as as Jesus says, you who are evil, in other words, you're not quite God. (laughs) If you know how to love your children, how much more than God, how much more does God? Think about when you have the, the, the baby in your womb, how much joy there is. You love your child already unconditionally. And when that child is born, that, that child knows nothing but your love for them. We're imperfect. I understand that, children, parents. But your children know no better. The only thing that they know is mom and dad love me unconditionally. This knowledge is on a transcendent level of what God does for you and me. But here's where we fail, is it not? We forget. And from the very beginning of Esau and Jacob, their mom forgot. You remember when, when, when uh, Jacob, you know, um, and Esau were, were, were vying for one, for vying, um, you know, sort of had a little thing going with one another. And he, he stole his, his, his birthright. Esau sold his birthright for some lentil soup. Jacob, we, 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 you can often see him as a trickster. Tricked his brother into giving him His birthright, Genesis 25. Now, Genesis is kind of silent on that, but silent doesn't mean approval. But it's for us to see as God's people that this isn't the right thing to do, to lie, to steal, to get what God has already promised. Disobedience. And then later on, we, we see the, the, um, the, the mother do the same thing. I will help you steal the blessing of your father. We will fool your older brother. And when you look at that, you look at their tricksters. They are fooling Isaac, their father. But what's really interesting about all this is Rebecca, you had God come to you face to face, tell you that the younger, the older will serve the younger. You heard God's voice of his electing love and purposes. What are you doing? God does not approve of this. But God, as we heard from Pastor Kida in, in, his, in his decrees, 
whatever comes to pass, God does for his own purposes and his own will. And God blesses that. Brothers and sisters, when we look at the church today, the, the, the reason why we as God's people are perhaps lukewarm or, or perhaps the reason why we, we have so much trouble or anxiety in our lives, it's not the fact that the, the things of the world are different. It's that our heart has, has changed. We've forgotten the good love of the Lord. We've forgotten how precious his perfect electing love is for you and me that no one can take away. In Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8, Paul takes his time to teach us the doctrines of sin, of repentance, faith, justification, sanctification. These, these great doctrines that we stand upon that allows us to see how God works in our hearts to bring about not only salvation, but life in this world today. And as Paul reflects on God's electing love, he is ecstatic about what he possesses. A love that, an electing love that nothing above in the heavens, nothing on earth, nothing below the earth could take away. His heart is full. But in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, Paul reflects on the same passage that Malachi reflects upon. It is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And this is a mystery for all of us who understand God's electing love and, and delve deep into it. That God himself is the one who chooses. And just like in Malachi, he says, I will suppress Edom. Here it is fulfilled. That there will be some who will not come to know the Lord. But how great is the love that you have who do. Now there's there's, there's many things that we can talk about when we talk about election, and we'll put that aside. But I want you to think very practically about what he is saying. Paul is saying to you, just like Malachi is saying to you, your relationship with God should be the most precious thing that you have. And Paul goes so far in reflecting upon this love that he says in Romans 9, I wish that I could give up my salvation so that my brothers, my Israelites who do not believe in him, can come to faith. That's how precious it is, precious it is to, to Paul. Okay, maybe it's not tracking with you right now. How about this? What if you said, I wish my marriage would fail 
so that my brother's marriage can flourish. I wish my marriage and my family would fail, that I would lose my job. so that my brother and my sister's family may flourish and they may succeed in this world. Now that hits you. We have forgotten the love of God. It's the love of God that will compel us and drive us to live a life of love for others. It's the love of God, the electing, perfect love of God that will drive us to hold everything in this world lightly, to have a smile in our face, even when, as, as Pastor Kida preached, our, our, our plans, our go, go awry. It is the love of God that grounds us in all things. It is that which is most precious to us. I have loved you, says God, because I've given you my son, Jesus. Let us not say to God, have you loved us? But let us say to God, thank you, Lord, that while I was yet a sinner, you sent your son, Jesus, to save me. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect word. Your word, your word is a burden because it causes your people to respond. Father, we are a people who in this life will never be perfect, Lord God, but we do not want to, Lord, slide in such a way that we're useless to you. We do not want to slide in such a way, Lord, that we carry around anxiety in our hearts. But we want to follow you, Lord God, to bask in your love, to share that love with others, to know, Lord, that all that happens, Lord God, that we ourselves can become ministers of the gospel to all peoples, to all situations, Lord. For God, you have given us the most precious thing, Lord, no one has loved us like you. No one. No one. And it's in your love that we rest. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.